Here comes the Here comes the Here comes the Y'all don't really want it like that Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Kent Wyrock, and I'm joined by friends this time. I don't have to do this all by myself. I have Matthew Betts and Matt Okada in the house. How are we doing today, gentlemen? I am doing fantastic, Kent. You did a you did a great job on the solo pod, which we were actually just joking about uh, before we hopped on to record this. Uh, Okada, tell our listeners what you, what you said about Kent's single solo recording, because that was hilarious. To me, it sounded like a friendly neighborhood <laughs> self-help novel audiobook reader. <laughs> so uh, here's who you're going to pick up this week. Uh, it's going to be Anthony Miller. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's great. No, I, I, it's it's interesting. I've never never had to record by myself. It's definitely awkward just having a conversation with yourself the entire time. But I did the best I could. Hopefully, you got some some good uh, pickups there. But we're on to week eleven, guys. There's three more weeks of regular fantasy football season, and then it's playoffs for mostly playoffs. In, yeah, playoffs. Don't talk about, about playoffs. playoffs? <laughs> Yeah, Ugh. so it's crunch time. I mean, this this probably a good eighty percent of teams are make or break these next three weeks. I, I mean, usually there's like a good chunk of seventy five percent of your league is within two or three wins of each other, and so the, if you win out, I mean, you're playoff bound pretty much. Yeah, this is a uh, this is like that cutoff one where even the teams that aren't in playoff, like in the, I think you probably have to be in the hunt, but if you're not in the playoffs. This is the, those last few weeks where if you make us push right now, you can make it in. So it's it's stressful. Yeah, oh my and God. it's yeah, it's happening for me right now. Go go ahead. Absolutely, that's. and I was gonna say too, even in those leagues where, you know, hopefully your league is set up like this, where even if you're not in playoff contention, there's still something to play for in the final, you know, five to six weeks of the season, whether it be a punishment or like a losers bracket kind of thing, just to keep the league active. I, I hate leagues that are just like, okay, if you're not in the playoffs, bye. So, gotta keep the league um, you know, active. You know what I do for leagues that I commission is I have the loser bracket where you you play and you still want to win in the losers bracket and you will earn your right to pick your draft spot for the next season. Mm-hmm. So, like a that. little something to keep them going, yeah. Uh keep them active on the waiver wire stuff like that so that people aren't getting free loaded teams going into the championship. Anyway, let's jump into the news. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Well, what what do they say um, in Game of Thrones? Now your watch has ended. Mm. Those of you who are rostering Le'Veon Bell, I'm sorry. It's game over. He is not going to play in the 2018 season. He is banned from the league this year, considering he did not show up on Tuesday for the Steelers. What are your guys' thoughts on the situation? Uh, I mean, they also say the dead may never die. And in this case, that is not true because Le'Veon Bell is a fantasy <laughs> asset is as dead as they get. For anyone who has not followed it, which you should be because it's been something else to follow, he is completely ineligible to play the rest of the season in any way, shape, or form for any team. So... He is literally droppable, 100%. Hopefully, most of you guys have dropped him already. And especially, I, I I prefer to do it for like a kicker or a defense, just in spite. Uh, but but it's great news. <laughs> That'll show yeah. him. But it's great news for James Conner and James Conner owners, because now you know you've oh. got an elite RB1 for the rest of the season. Absolutely. My Scott Fishbowl team is locked into the playoffs. It's ready to go. It's got James Conner on it. I am excited for this news. I am equally as emotional as you can, but in the opposite direction. <laughs> I drafted <laughs> Le'Veon Bell, number one overall in the Scott Fishbowl, and I just Ooh. dropped him to pick up Janu Smith, which oh, um, oh made me savage. want to throw up a little bit. Uh, but in all seriousness, though, this is a situation that I'm just happy to be done with. We can finally move on. We know what the situation is. Um, and as James Conner, he is a top five fantasy player the rest of the year. So love it for the clarity standpoint. 
So from my understanding, just a little bit of future point of reference here is that the Steelers can still throw the transition tag on him, which I have heard they intend to do. We'll see how serious they are about that in the offseason, but uh, he may still be a Steeler next year. We're not sure yet. So just a little something to keep an eye on for the future because he would be a huge free agent, obviously. Yeah, but at this point, though, that relationship is so fractured that there's there's got to be no way that he actually plays for the Steelers, even though what you're describing is correct. Uh, but there's no way we see him back on that team playing football for them. Yeah, I, I kind of tend to agree. So, all right, let, let's move on uh, real quick. Eagles, excuse me, the head coach for the Eagles, uh, Doug, Doug Peterson, said that Josh Adams needs to get more work in their backfield. And uh, I talked about in the waiver pod, he's the most impressive of the three running backs there. However, all three running backs are getting used. So do you take this to heart, uh, Mr. Eagles fan? How do, you, how do you feel about Josh Adams? Do you think he's going to get more work? Well, the thing is, he actually has gotten more work um, in the past three Eagles games. He's gone from you know percentages of the carries that he's gotten for the backfield have slowly gone up. Um, and this was tweeted out by Graham Barfield. It's gone up from 17% to 32% to 44%, which looks great. But at, there's got to be a cap to this because, yes, he looks great when he's out there. But just like you said, this Eagles backfield is 100% a committee. Doug Peterson likes the committee. Um, and it's why early in the season I made the entire backfield my pump the brakes kind of situation, a lot of the fantasy footballers for the sit of the week, is that you know we just don't know which guy it's going to be each week one week it's going to be you know Adams and Clement's going to have a nice game so yeah I'm I'm hesitant on this this news yeah I think I agree with that I think that Doug Peterson is probably taking the trail of mirroring the Patriots RB system that many people have now taken to heart which is use running backs per week as it fits the game plan best and that changes depending on who the opponent is so it, it means that even if he hopes to get uh, Adams more work overall for the remainder of the season, I think that in various games he's going to not necessarily disappear, but be irrelevant for fantasy, and you're just not going to know when those are coming. Yeah, I'm still worried. Uh, Josh Adams, he's getting more work. He still has not eclipsed 31% of the offensive snaps. Uh, that's worrisome. You don't want that in a guy that you're planning on starting with any kind of uh, reliability. So... I, I would think that they would try and lean more on him because he is the best running back for them right now, but it still remains to be seen is uh, kind of where I stand on it. Yeah, this is 100% committee moving forward for sure. Yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about C.J. Anderson, who got released, except I don't think anyone in the planet is rostering C.J. Anderson right now. I don't know. Yeah, the, the big takeaway here is... <laughs> Oh, that's that's so unfortunate. <laughs> the big takeaway here is don't pick up any other backups in Carolina because they're not good. We, yeah. Uh, even if Christian McCaffrey went down, I would want no part of Cameron Artis Payne or whoever else. Do they still have Fozzie Whitaker? I don't even know. Uh, I don't. He's he's fun so. because of his name, I'd have but to check. Uh, not useful yeah. for fantasy. No, I mean, if anything, this is just a vote of confidence in Christian McCaffrey yep. and. It like there was any reason to not have it. This is certainly it. It's the final nail. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say in the coffin. That's normally in a bad case. What's what would be the positive version of final nail in the coffin? Um, it's that. The, so a throne, perhaps the final nail in the throne. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Okay. Game of Thrones go with that. episode. Yes. Yeah. No kidding. Hey, coming back in April, by the way. I'm excited. Ooh. But we'll stay on topic here. Yeah. I'm um, just up to uh, you guys. Fozzie on. Whitaker is still on the Panthers. Hey, look at that. Oh, is he? Confirmed. It's sad. It's sad that we didn't know. I mean, that's how little he's seen the field. But yeah, uh, let's let's talk about the Saints real quick because there's been a lot of stuff going on with the Saints lately. Uh, obviously, you know, we talked about the Dez signing, then he tore his Achilles, and then we're all hyped up on Traquan Smith again because the sole number two, and now they've signed Brandon Marshall. So, oh, I, oh that's how I feel. It's, I can't even use words. Just. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of how I feel too. And what's what's shocking is even without Dez on the field last week, which you know I don't think anyone was really expecting a lot from him in his first potential game to play, um, was Traquan Smith did not have any receptions in that game. And no, while even worse, 
No targets. Yeah. Zero targets yeah. in a 50 You can't catch the ball game. if it's not thrown anyway. your way, so that's not on him. Um, maybe it is. But when you look at this offense historically, like they've had other contributors in the passing game and so i truly do feel like that's an outlier um and i would still be interested in rostering traquan smith personally uh i have no interest in brandon marshall yeah you guys i mean kent said even worse even worse than that i think he i believe that he led the team in snaps over michael thomas among receivers because it was a blowout Mm -hmm. and so they just didn't even need to like he was just blocking yeah i don't know but I agree it was an anomaly. I almost made him my start of the week this week, but I did not. So I think he's I think he is startable. And Brandon Marshall is not, by the way, in case that wasn't clear. Oh yeah, no. I he uh did he do anything for the Seahawks? I think he had one or two touchdowns yeah, maybe for maybe the Seahawks. Maybe in the preseason. <laughs> It was not good. <laughs> no, I think he did. Did he? I think he did in the re- yeah, maybe maybe not. I'd have to go look, but it, it hasn't been enough to be worth even considering him for fantasy, yeah. So uh, I mean, Drew Brees is probably a better quarterback over Russell Wilson, although not really. I mean, but yeah, no, I, you're looking at a guy to replace Ted Ginn, basically, and Trickon Smith is much more apt to do that than Doug Baldwin by any stretch. So, yeah. Uh, not Doug Baldwin, Brandon Marshall. True. What I say, God, <laughs> I'm all over, uh, just back and forth with these but names. Also, yeah, that's actually Brandon Marshall. All right, well, I think we've talked enough about Brandon Marshall, so let's move on over to some injury news. Doctor, doctor, give me the, news. the biggest one that popped up this week was certainly uh, Cooper Cup. He tore his ACL and is done for the season. Uh, womp womp. So, yeah. Why you I do mean, this? Did, uh, bet, yeah, Bets, <laughs> did you see the play? I mean... Could you tell right away what it was? Yeah, it was pretty classic. Cooper Cup was running a route, uh, and actually he wasn't even involved in the play, which is the worst part. He was on the opposite side of the field is where the ball went. Planted on his left leg, went to look looked like he was running an out route. Planted on his left leg and just immediately grabbed for that leg, which is the telltale sign, is the non-contact plant pivot type of injury where you know the player immediately knows something is wrong. Um, and you could just see him on the ground. It, as soon as it happened, you pretty much knew, yep, this is it. Um, and then the MRI confirmed. So yes, his season is over. So how do you, how do you guys feel about Josh Reynolds kind of stepping up into this role? Do you think he's the guy that's going to be taking most of those targets? Mm, I don't think I will say. I mean, it depends on how you define most. He'll probably get the majority of what Cooper Cup got, but I don't think he's going to get enough to be anywhere close to Cooper Cup. Not to mention, I think Cup is a much better receiver. I think that his targets will get kind of divvied through Gurley, Woods, Cooks a little bit, and then Reynolds will get uh, maybe four, five a game if he's lucky. I don't, I don't mind Josh Reynolds and adding him, especially since th- this is not like when Cooper Cup was out for a little bit before because we knew he was coming back in a few weeks, two or three weeks, I believe. Actually, he came back pretty quick. Uh, but I think Reynolds played a couple weeks without him. Two yeah, two weeks. Yeah, two games. Yep. But this is going to be the rest of the season. They are going to be making a Super Bowl push, so they need to find out what they have in Reynolds. I think so. He he's viable. I don't know if I'm ready to start him, but he's certainly worth owning. One guy that I am particularly interested in, and Kent, maybe you're going to bring this up. Um, is the use of the tight end in that offense, which they have not done because they've had three stud receivers. Uh, Gerald Everett, a name to monitor, I think. He, he caught a touchdown last week. I think, like Okada was saying, I think that they probably divvy those targets up more than just funnel all of Coop, Cooper Cup's volume to Josh Reynolds. And I think a little bit of that goes to Gerald Everett. So moving forward, potentially, not yet, but potentially on the streaming radar uh, later in the season. Uh, that wasn't what I was going to say, but that's certainly an interesting take on it. What I what I was going to say is if there's ever a week to find out what you've got in Josh Reynolds, it's going to be in this game against the uh, the excuse me the Chiefs, where the over under is currently at sixty three and a half. Ooh. Oh my goodness, that's a lot of on points. Monday Night Football. Uh, this was going to be that Mexico City game. They actually moved it back to L.A. because the field in Mexico uh, was pretty rough, apparently. So according to player safety as their reasoning they decided to move it back to la and uh yeah this is gonna be a crazy game 
I will uh, let you guys know how Josh Reynolds looks on the field because I will be watching him in person. Ooh, Okada. Wait, so how does Bought this my work? Tickets Did you today. Have... You just got tickets. Okay. Yes. That's cool. Yep. Yeah, that's exciting. You have two All right, extras well, for your friends. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> Spread the love. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move on here. We got to talk real quick about AJ Green. It sounds like we got an update from the head coach uh, Marvin Lewis. Said he hopes that he can play this week. Do you do you buy into that? No, uh, this is this oh. is coach speak. Definitely not playing. I mean, Adam Schefter literally three days ago was reporting on Sunday that he was hearing from you know his sources that Green could potentially be out until December. So unless you know, AJ Green found some miraculous new, unheard of treatment Adrita serum to get yeah to get to get ready. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's possible. And even before that, they were saying, okay, he's going to be out for two weeks, and then we're going to reassess him at that point. And this would be that second week. So I truly do think this is more coach speak. I would be shocked if he played. Yeah, no, I kind of was feeling that as well. Uh, what do you, I mean? What are your thoughts on Boyd right now? Considering last week he was kind of he was okay. What do you have? Sixty three yards or something to that effect. Uh, he's getting a lot of attention from defense. Is kind of what I was thinking might happen. How do you guys feel about him starting while AJ's out though? Uh, it's it's scary for me, and I have a lot of him, and really, really hope that he can produce. This week is not the best situation for that. They're playing the Ravens. And you, I think you still have to probably start Tyler Boyd, but lower your expectations because those Ravens corners are really good. Yeah, and, and the thing that I was at least a little bit encouraged by last week was the fact that he was still playing more in the slot than I think some people were worried about. We thought maybe he would move outside, and he didn't really do that a ton more than he normally does. So he at least is still going to be playing that slot role. But I agree with what Okada said, that defense and secondary uh, are very, very good. And so this week is definitely going to be, I think, tough on Tyler Boyd owners. Yeah, I, I tend to fall into the same category. So I'm, I'm kind of, you know, maybe thinking about benching him if I have better options. But unfortunately, it's bye week hell. Mm. Uh, so I actually, well, while I'm talking about it, the teams on bye this week are the Bills, the Dolphins, the Patriots, the Jets, the Browns, and the 49ers. So lots of teams are out this week. You're kind of stretching that lineup pretty thin in some cases. So you might have to start them if you don't have anything else. But just something to keep in mind. Let's um, let's go ahead and talk real quick about uh, excuse me, Chris Carson. He had a hip injury. Does it, is he practicing bets? Is that why he's on the docket today? I just wanted to put him on there to update everyone that he was actually removed from the final injury report heading into tomorrow night's uh, Thursday night football game. So he is going to play, and head coach Pete Carroll has kind of been vocal all along that um, he's going to get touches and he's going to be right back in there kind of doing what he did before the injury. So as sad as this is for the biggest um, Rashad Penny truther, <laughs> out there uh it's definitely going to be a muddy backfield situation which this week i want no part of okay here's my big question bets is this a type of injury where like a hamstring or some kind of ankly thing where it's very likely to get exacerbated during the game because i'm concerned about him leaving at halftime again yeah, I mean, it is it is one thing that we know has lingered for him throughout the season off and on. It hasn't really been a week-to-week thing. It's kind of been, you know, he's healthy for a week or two, and then he's out for a week, and then he's healthy for a week or two, and back and forth. Um, but I think that the thing that they were considering when they sat him last week was the fact that they knew he played on Thursday night, and so they were, you know, erring on the side of caution to have him available for that. I will say with the emergence of Penny, I would not be surprised to see them limit his touches to try to split the work up even more and then prevent a re-injury. So, yes, it definitely has the ability to flare up uh, and be a situation that leaves a lot of owners that started him very disappointed. Yeah, um, I'm worried about both. Well, I I guess I should say all three because Mike Davis has seen some meaningful start situations here recently. But... um, yeah, I, I, I'm concerned about starting any of those three running backs right now. I think they're all – well, I don't know if I'd roster Mike Davis if Carson and Penny are both healthy and active. I think Davis is going to be relegated to pretty much uselessness. But the other two are going to be 
sketchy starts at best going forward. So I kind of agree with you there. I'm actually kind of sh- shocked that Okada didn't make the entire backfield his <laughs> sit of the week here this week. Spoiler <laughs> alert, he did not. Uh, I, I think he's <laughs> on to conferences now. He's getting bigger <laughs> oh, and better. True, true. Here's the thing. With the Seattle backfield, the one reason that I'm not too uh, negative on it is they run so much that even if two guys get a hefty amount of work, both of them can have or two guys get split the work, they'll get a hefty amount and be useful. And I think I think that Mike Davis might have pass catching work regardless of who the number one is between Carson and Penny. So I kind of don't mind rostering all three and seeing what happens, but starting them is a little more dicey. I, I pictured a fantasy roster that had all three on them, and I just <laughs> I almost threw up. Honestly, preferably <laughs> I can't not think on of the a nightmare worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Eagles running backs maybe. Could be. Worse. All right, let's uh, <laughs> let's move on. We'll talk about Joe Flacco, who is seen using crutches recently during their bye week. Uh, sounds like there could be a shot that Lamar Jackson plays or RG three, but everyone wants Lamar Jackson, right? I certainly do. I picked him up in a 2QB league, and there is no other option on waivers, and Tom Brady's on by. So I'm probably starting Lamar Jackson even if Robert Griffin is named the starter. But, uh, yeah, I really do hope he is named the starter, Jackson that is. And, I, by the way, also do not expect Flacco to play. Um, I think I saw something from the football doc about if he's on crutches, he's not going to suddenly go into the game. So he'd have to be yeah. walking about at the very least, even if he doesn't practice. But if Lamar Jackson starts, and even if he doesn't, I think he has, I mean, obviously it's very deep 2QB if he doesn't. But if he's a starter, he has literally top 10 potential just based off his rushing. Yeah, absolutely. And Okada, you might be okay even if they say, quote unquote, RG3 is going to start because we know that there's special design plays for Lamar Jackson. uh, And we've seen him and what he can do on the ground. So uh, absolutely, I, I think he's you know, electric when the ball's in his hand and the rushing for quarterbacks hundred percent will, will win you a week if they can do with what he, what he can do. Uh, but just like you said, Okada, I a hundred percent agree. I don't think Joe Flacco plays in this one. Um, the injury to his hip is, is structural and that it's a hip joint injury. And like you said, if he's on crutches, he can't walk in a straight line without pain. So how in six days is he going to be able to, from that report, cut and drop back quickly in the pocket and, uh, move so swiftly as Joe Flacco does. So yeah, yeah. There's there's no way uh, I, I I don't see him playing in this one. Yeah, and and I tweeted about it the other day. Joe Flacco has been actually really bad at deep passing this year, and you can pretty much figure that out if you look at John Brown's stat line. But uh, maybe maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more oh, here in a maybe. bit. But. Uh, uh, I I think anyone is going to be better than Joe Flacco. So I'll I'll save the rest and. Uh, Let's move on real quick. Uh, we Just a couple quick hitters before we get out of the injury news. James Conner remains in concussion protocol. However, he was practicing. Mike Tomlin said he had a full practice. So, good news for Conner owners. It's some more bad news for Le'Veon Bell owners. They probably wanted him to not play out of spite. But he looks like he's going to. Uh, looks like Marvin Jones is day-to-day with a bone bruise in his knee. Uh, is, real quick, bets. Is this going to be something that could be a serious issue? Uh, it could be something that keeps him out for a week or two if it's the right location and the right size. So, depending on where it is on the bone of the weight bearing surface of your knee, it can affect your ability to put a lot of weight on it and move quickly and you know run and play football. So, yeah, he could he could sit out. Other thing to consider for the Lions is that they play on Thursday, Thanksgiving next week, which they always do. Mm. And so if they want to have him for that game, they may sit him. Uh, He did not practice today, which is Wednesday. Sure. Okay, and then finally, Royce Freeman looks like he's on track to return from a high ankle sprain against the Chargers, who might be getting Joey Bosa back this week. Sounds like he's practicing. So just something to keep in mind. He's kind of maybe on that fringe flex radar if you're desperate. Um Looks like he's going to play. So, let's move on to the over-unders. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. Well, I'll tell you what, gentlemen. Last week, we had a three-way tie. We all had three uh, points out of a possible five. So, congrats to all of us. Very well useless. done. Useless. That, that was our third best week as a team. I, I decided to sum up uh, our team. <laughs> uh, our best week was week six, and then week one was the second best, and then this was our third last week. So... 
Real quick review of the week 10 over-under. We had Breeze, uh, Kareem Hunt, Humphreys, Travis Kelsey, and then we decided between Nick Mullins and Marcus Mariota. Uh, Let's see. I missed on Kareem Hunt and Mullins. Okada missed on Breeze. Oh, no. I just realized I made a mistake counting the numbers. Okada only had two. Yes. Oh, come on. (laughs) Sorry. I demand a re-recount. Yeah, re-recount. But (laughs) so the ones that Okada got right were Kareem Hunt and Adam Humphreys. And then Betts had, uh, he missed on Kareem Hunt and Travis Kelsey. So that is what we had last week. Let's move on to this week in which we are talking about guys who are coming off of buys that were uh, sitting on their couch week 10 watching football just like the rest of us. So up first at the quarterback position, we're going to be looking at my Minnesota Viking Kirk Cousin. Kirk Cousins, he's a plural. Um, He's playing (laughs) at Chicago this week, the big scary Bears. And he is projected for 18.7 points. So, Okada, we'll start with you. Uh, do you think he's going to go over or under 18.7? Uh, I think he's going to go over on the back of extreme volume and terrible efficiency. He's probably going to get sacked six times and throw two picks. But throw 55 balls and come out above this number. So I'll take the over. That's gross. Yeah. Uh, but okay. <laughs> Bets, how do you feel about it? Uh, I'm going to go under. I think that he struggles in this one against a very good Bears defense. And actually, he's given a, or he's scored, excuse me, fewer than 18 points in four of his last five. So uh, I'm hesitant with this situation. Oh. Man, the homer in me wants to take the over. Uh, the guy who understands how scary the big scary bears are wants to take the under. Very scary. So I'm going to say he hits that exactly on the nose. No, I'm just kidding. That would be a terrible <laughs> bet. Uh, but I'm going to take the over. I think that if you're going to show up, this, this is the game to do it. It's a big divisional game. I think this will decide pretty much who's likely to end up as the leader of the NFC North. So everything's on the line. Dalvin Cook is back and healthy. We got the run game going to support the passing game. Um, I I think it's a good spot for him, so I'm going to take the over, but he might just barely creep over it. So let's move on to Phillip Lindsay at the running back position. The Denver Broncos are also coming off of bye. He's projected for 11.7, and he's playing at L.A., the Chargers of L.A., that is. So... Uh, we'll go over to bets. We'll have you go first over or under 11.7. Yeah, I really struggled with this one when we were getting ready to record. I feel like I want to take the under because the Chargers defense has only given up three rushing touchdowns this year, but he's just been so effective. And even before Roy Freeman was injured, uh, the last time we saw him play was on Thursday night football. It feels like months ago, but it was, it was like three weeks ago. Um, and actually, Okada, remember when you and I both started him in that game? <laughs> yes. We desperately started him and hoped he <laughs> fell in the end zone. He scored a touchdown. He did. Uh, but I don't think that uh, Freeman has a good game in this one. Coming back from the injury, I think that they lean more heavily on Lindsay, And so for that reason, I think he goes over the 11.7 mark. Yeah, I'm also going to take the over. I think that the Chargers' pasty is going to be a little better than their run D, especially if Bosa's back. Um... Yeah, and also they have one of the best corners in the league right now who I think will probably shut down Sutton. And Sanders will probably do okay from the slot, but it's between him and Lindsey as far as weapons go for them. So I think he's going to have to play well in order for them to even compete. So I'll take the over. All right, so we had... It was an under for Betts and an over for Okada. Nope, I'm over. Uh you said over as well. Okay. All right. Sorry about that. I was so researching something These scores for are invalid. <laughs> yeah. It's bad record keeping. That's all it is. <laughs> you just blame it on me. But, uh, oh, geez. Uh, I think that this will be a, a not, not a Royce Freeman game, but a chance for Royce Freeman to kind of show that he's still in contention here to, to lead this backfield. I think he can probably end up at that at some point. Maybe not this year, but... Uh, he's got to show out. So Lindsay's going to be 
mm, probably around 10 points. I'm going to take the under, and again, I think I'm just going just a shade under this projection for him. It, it's pretty much touchdown or bust uh, when it comes to hitting this projection for me. So let's move on to the wide receiver position. Talk about Demarius Thomas playing for the Texans now. He's coming off by as well. He's projected for 10.1 points, and he is playing uh, in Washington against those Redskins. So I'll start this one. I'm going to take the over. I think that he's had a apt amount of time to learn the playbook, and I think that he can get used a little bit more beyond the um, what, it, what it scripted, the scripted mm-hmm. portion of you know when Demarius Thomas first came out against his Broncos before the bye, they gave him like three passes right away, and then he wasn't there at all for the rest of the game. It was clearly like, hey, shove it in your face, Broncos. We're passing to to your old receiver. I think he's had a chance to now get involved in the actual offense. So I'm going to take the over. I think he has a good shot at a touchdown here, considering there's no Will Fuller. uh, And Kiki Kuti is possibly coming back from injury, but still a little banged up. So... That's where I'm at. Uh, let's swing it over to Okada. Well, with you going first, I now know what it feels like to have all my arguments taken away. Yeah. That, that was exactly what I was going to say. He, he, he. By the way, he caught all of those three targets that he got on that on that first drive, and he looked yeah. really good. And we were like, oh, my goodness. They, he's actually useful and alive. And then he, was, he disappeared. But with the bye especially in place, I think that they're going to try to game plan this. I mean, they need to win this game. They absolutely need to win this game um, because they have a really tough division right now. I mean, well, when I say tough, I mean close. The teams aren't necessarily the greatest, but it's a tight division. So they need to pull ahead. Um, I'll, I'll take the over here. I'll be lame. I'm going to go over as well. I, my biggest reason for that was going to be, you know, he, he's had the bye week. He's learned the playbook, just like you said, Kent. Um, and the thing is, we're not sure that QT is going to come back. He's actually been vocal in saying... You know, he wants to come back when he feels he's 100%. So if for any reason he sits, uh, I think that he easily goes over this number. The other thing is this secondary, while they look great on paper, they have not been fantastic the last couple of weeks. You can pass on them if if you need to with enough volume, which I think that they do in this game. So I'm going to go over. All right. Well, we are three matching amigos. We are all taking the over on Demarius Thomas. So. Let's move on to the tight end position. Talking about Jeff Hourglass, man. Did I did I say that right? Yes, that is exactly I, right. I, okay, tell me again the correct pronunciation because I'll literally never remember it. It's Hireman, which you'll probably forget again because it's not how it looks. So good luck. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jeff Hireman. Okay, so he's the tight end for the Denver Broncos, and he's playing, like I said earlier, at uh, the LA Chargers. So he's projected for just a mere 5.7. This is, of course, in half point per reception leagues uh do you want the over or the under bets oh gosh um i guess i'll take the over Uh, maybe mainly because the chargers defense is giving up about 47 yards a game on average to the tight end and so if if he hits the average and he catches a couple of balls he goes over this so i'm gonna go over uh man this is a tough one that's a pretty good projection for him and i really don't want to chase the points but i think he probably gets four or five catches and you don't need that many yards when you're going to get four or five catches in a half ppr league so i will say that hireman is higher than 5.7 points Ooh. hey oh um. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. This is this is difficult because he's he's getting targets sometimes. Like he he got eleven uh, the last time he played, five before that, zero before that, six before that. So it's like randomly he's up and down. Uh, I, I'm not really sure if he's gonna get consistent targets every single game. Uh, they're gonna definitely try and use Sutton a little bit more this week than I think they tried to last time. So. I'm going to take the under. I think it's just a, probably a two or three catch game and hopefully not for big gains. So I'm going to take the under. And let's move on to our flex question of the week. This is going to be another uh, skull choice here. Uh, you're picking between Dalvin Cook and Stefan Diggs. And once again, they are playing at the Chicago Bears. So Okada, how do you feel? Good gracious. This one is tough. Um, I'm going to take Dalvin Cook 
because while I was a big truther on both of these guys coming into the season, I was a bigger truther on Dalvin Cook, and I really, really want to see him have a big game. It's certainly not the best place to do it against these big, scary bears, but the the Bears' corners are really, really good, and Stephon Diggs is really, really good, so he can easily beat them. But I'm going to go with Cook. I think he can break off a couple big ones like he did last game, not last week. And uh, and slightly outscore Diggs here. All right, Betts? Yeah, this is this one is really tough. Um, I'm going to go Cook as well. Uh, the main deciding factor for me is literally just the more opportunities to touch the ball, and I think Cook has more of those in what is a terrible matchup for both of these guys. So hopefully Cook's, Cook falls in the end zone and gets uh, more than digs here. So I'll take Cook. All right, I'm going to go with a pure continuity-type selection here, and because I took the over on Kirk Cousins in the beginning, uh, those passes have to go to someone, and they're not all going to go to Adam Thielen, most of them, but probably not all of them. So I'm going to take digs to match my uh cousin's pick and i've also got opposite of you guys on three of the uh five picks here so this oh. could be a big swing week it's a big depending week. on uh who's better at uh making their selections so those were our over under selections of the week let's go ahead and talk about our starts of the week drivers start your engines <laughs> Bets, Okada, it's week 11, it's make or break. These people need good starts of the week. They don't want Isaiah Crowell. They don't they don't want crap like that anymore. That's me by the way. I'm making fun of myself. <laughs> we got we got some good starts of the week coming up. So, Bets, let's have you start it off for us this week. Give them a good one. All right. I'm going to kick it off with a guy who has really disappointed fantasy owners the last couple of weeks. Um, he's a guy who I've been rooting for a lot this season because he plays for my Philadelphia Eagles. Alshon Jeffrey is a guy that you can play this week, and I think he is a fantastic start. The last two games he's played, he's really burned you, like I said. Five and a half and 6.8 fantasy points, um, which has been terrible. However, this is a get-right game for the Eagles offense and for the passing attack in a fantastic matchup on the road against the Saints. The thing is, the Saints are going to absolutely destroy and this makes me so sad, destroy the Eagles secondary. They just lost their best corner, Ronald Darby, to an ACL tear. Uh, They have a a safety, Rodney McLeod. He's been out all year with an MCL injury. So they're playing, you know, second and third stringers across that secondary. Uh, And absolutely, the Eagles passing attack is going to have to keep up with Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. Uh, And so for that reason, I think that he is going to be able to be very serviceable, at least as a wide receiver too. Uh, And, you know, I think easily, easily eclipses the double-digit mark. So flex, wide receiver two, absolutely get him in your lineup. Yeah, this is a, this is an excellent pick because it was another one of my almost picks. And the only reason I didn't pick Jeffrey was because I wanted to go with something more obscure in Ew. Kent fashion. But um, And I'll talk about this a little bit more in a second, but as far as deep passing goes, the Saints are the worst defense uh, in the league against a deep pass and Jeffrey's that guy for the Eagles Tate and Aguilar are not even Matthews um, so I think I think Matthews or uh, I think Jeffrey has a great chance to catch a couple jump balls down the field probably one or two of them in the end zone this is a great start yeah do not start Jordan Matthews uh, in no, case that was no. un- is he even is he still on the Eagles because he came yes. back I thought he had a is decent game there? last week actually yeah. <laughs> did he really yeah. I, I I have not been paying attention to him to be perfectly honest um, I almost picked Golden Tate this week, so I, I decided against it because you had Elshon, um, and I didn't want to go with all the Eagles wide receivers. But, no, I like it. And if you want some uh, really bad reasoning, um, bad bad cherry-pick stats, his last two games against the Saints, he's averaged 11 targets, 7 receptions, 148 yards, and a touchdown per game. Oh However, the last game against them was in 2014, so it's pretty much... <laughs> It's pretty much irrelevant. It will but still happen. He's a Saint Smasher. Which, yeah. ironically, Kent, I don't think that those numbers are that far out of contention because look at what's happened against the Saints for number one wide receivers since their bye week in week six. Week seven, John Brown, seven for 134 in a touchdown. Adam Thielen, week eight, seven for 103 in a touchdown. Week nine, Brandon Cooks, six for 114 in a touchdown. So you might be onto something there. It's not, uh, it's not outside the realm of possibilities. No, it's not. No. 
All right. Well, uh, I'll go in the middle here since I don't really do that too often. I'll tell you my start of the week. You know, I told you I shouldn't do any like Isaiah Crowell's, but I'm going with Doug Martin. So oh maybe my I was gosh. Kind of, uh, maybe I was a little bit uh, uh, in the wrong there by saying that. But I actually think this is a really, really solid start for him this week. Over the last three weeks since Marshawn Lynch has gone down, Doug Martin has averaged uh, 60 yards per game rushing and 22 yards per game receiving. He has had at least 11 rushing attempts and at least two targets in each of these three games. And he's playing against the Arizona Cardinals, who I believe are bottom three still in the league as far as points allowed to opposing running backs. So, yes, Jalen Richard is still involved in the passing game, but Martin is still the main running back, I guess, you know, the early down back, and he's getting uh, rushing attempts inside the red zone as well. I think that this is a good spot for him against the Cardinals team, who is still struggling. They're, they're looking a little bit better. Uh, they're scoring more points, but their defense is still just not that good at stopping the run. Last week alone, Doug Martin had three rushing attempts inside the 10. So he's he's just he's good for a touchdown, I think, this week, uh, possibly two. So uh, I, I'm excited about Doug Martin. Yeah, I know. And, and he hasn't had a touchdown yet. Uh, since taking over for Marshawn Lynch. So I think he's due for one, and it's going to happen this week. Uh, I'm curious what you would say his ceiling is, points-wise. His ceiling? Uh, so, it, like, in half point, I think his ceiling is probably around yeah, – you could have a 20-point game. I Ooh. think that's feasible. Against wow. the Cardinals, yeah. All right. Oh, man, Ken, I, I, can, I <laughs> applaud you. You are just out there – given these hot takes and really putting yourself out there which which i like and to be honest with you this might be a situation that people find themselves in with like you mentioned at the start of the show six teams run by um, and there's a lot of running backs that are included that are typically rb2 flex territory that aren't available so this week i'll give it to you i don't absolutely hate it but man i wouldn't be the one telling people to start Doug martin <laughs> well here's the thing and uh, it, they're passing game has been really bad with Derek Carr's been looking bad and they have like no receivers left Mars Martavis Bryant is now injured it's it's bad so they're gonna run the ball it's John Gruden he loves running the ball he's old school football and frankly uh Doug Martin has been not too bad as far as efficiency goes over the last three weeks I'll pull up real quick his yard per carry it's been 4.7 so that's good enough to that's good enough to warrant a start if he's getting double digit rushing attempts and he's running that well uh, why not yeah no i like uh i like the the arguments there to back it up like i said six teams run a by so people will be starting doug martin along with you yep i am i can tell you that much so let's swing it over to okada tell me your start of the week yeah so my guy has been mentioned multiple times already sneakily underhandedly it's john it. brown Mr. Uh, what was it, Bets? 134 and 1 against the Saints? Oh. Absolutely, it was. Seven catches. Yeah. Yeah, Smokey Brown. So I talked, uh, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, about trading for John Brown um, for the upcoming playoff push. And this is the beginning of that playoff push. He gets the Bengals. And I know he has not had a great stretch. He, in fact, he's only had one good game since week four. And that was the Saints game that Bets just mentioned. Here's the thing about the Saints game. I kind of briefly threw this stat his way. The Saints are one of the worst teams against deep passing. So that's like 20 yards downfield in the air or more. They've given up the second most yards and the second highest passer rating in football against the deep pass. The Bengals, who he gets in week 11, have allowed the six most yards on deep passes and seven touchdowns in nine games against a deep pass, which is a lot. So, and by the way, their defense in general on in every aspect is atrocious. So this is a very, very, in my opinion, ideal matchup for John Brown to rebound from the slump that he's been in. And I had to kind of shush Kent earlier because he was trying to give away my, uh, my secret info. But if it's not Joe Flacco at quarterback, which I don't expect it to be, a lot of people will say, oh my goodness, it's going to be Lamar Jackson who can just run and can't throw, or it's going to be Robert Griffin who's washed up. Joe Flacco is the worst deep passer <laughs> in the league. 
Yeah. He, uh, of all quarterbacks with 30-plus of those deep passing attempts I mentioned, only Sam Darnold has a worst passer rating in all of football. He has been atrocious, which is sad because he used to be really good at it, and it's why uh, John Brown's air yards are massively high, but his actual production does not look great because Joe Flacco has been terrible at hitting him. So I don't think it can get worse. Is even a good chance it can get better uh, as far as the quarterback position goes. And then the matchup adds to that. Give me some John Brown. He will get that long touchdown that he needs and a few more catches and be a very nice start for you and me. Yeah. Well, you know, I agree. I mean, I, I was bringing up those stats earlier. I, I I think any QB other than Flacco is an upgrade for John Brown. So uh, that's definitely that's a great call. Yeah, and it's like you said, Okada, this is the start of that run. So if there's any way that you can still go out and get him or like Kent mentioned a couple episodes ago, Alex Collins, this is this is the time mm-hmm. to do it. Uh, do you guys feel the same about Michael Crabtree in that offense or is this more of just those two guys for you? I would start both of them this week. Yeah. I don't know about I'll, – I'll have to look into a little bit deeper into the next few matchups as far as what I expect from corners and deep versus intermediate and red zone. But I think I think this is a John Brown game, but I'd still start Crabtree. But, yeah, I'd, I'd be willing to have both in my in my lineup. Would you start weeks. Crabtree or Alex Collins asking for a friend? Collins. Ooh, Not yeah. even thinking twice about it for me. Yeah. Okay, the Ravens me, are going to win lineup. this game. So <laughs> also, I do tend to. I still like Snead a little bit more than Crabtree, to be perfectly honest. At least as far as like a consistent option. Yeah, you're you're on the Snead train, man. You like him. Yeah, that one start of the week was like his worst week of the year. So <laughs> of uh, maybe I'm just like cursed or something. But I don't know. Anyway, let's let's go ahead and move over to our sits of the week. Why do you do this to me? I'm benching you, Lewis. Now nobody hear another word out of you. Sit down. All right, so these guys that we don't like this week, they're still probably useful for the rest of the year. Obviously, if you have them rostered, you're just going to throw them on the bench for one week. So we're going reverse order this time. We'll swing it right back to bets. You're on the turn. Tell me who your sit of the week is. We're doing the reverse order? Yeah. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I thought I went first last time, so I I was thrown off. Um, I'm I'm going to go ahead. did, but who cares? (laughs) I'm really bad at this, by the way, if you haven't noticed yet. All right, okay. here we go, here we go. Okay, um, I'm going to be like a broken record player and repeat a lot of the same stuff that I repeated last week when I told everyone to sit Sony Michelle. I am sitting Marlon Mack in this game because of the fact that he plays the Tennessee Titans just like Sony Michelle did last week, who they have been phenomenal against fantasy running backs this season. Marlon Mack was exciting. He came on hot after his injury exploded onto the fantasy scene but this is not the week for him to continue that um, especially after a down week last week against the Jaguars the thing is you know when you look at the Tennessee Titans and their defense and what they've done to opposing running backs is they've just bottled up everyone Michelle last week 11 for 31 Zeke 17 for 61 Eckler 12 for 42 Uh, and when they entered the, the week last week they were 29th best so or third best I should say 29th worst um against running backs and they're now 31st so they got better in one week uh a terrible matchup for Mac this week if you can sit him do it first of all I cannot sit him so this is very upsetting to me bets I have to start from my most important league second of all though I do want to throw some names at you and see what sticks because I feel like Mac is someone that most people want to start on a weekly basis so Mac or Alex Collins versus the Bengals? Oh, Collins. Mac or Doug Martin versus the Cardinals? Well, if you would have asked me that five minutes ago before Kent told me the start of the week, I probably would have said Mac. Convinced you. Honestly, legitimately, I would play Doug Martin. Mac or Lamar Miller versus the Redskins? Lamar Miller. Yeah. Wow. Okay, last one. Mac or Derrick Henry versus the Colts? I will never play Derrick Henry. game. Never ever. Uh, Big thumbs right. down. Uh, excellent. <laughs> Marlon Mack from that one for sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm. Man, I I have to start him in a PPR league, and I'm still unsure about it. It's between him or Jordan Howard. So. Oh. What a transition it, there, Ken. PPR, Kent. so I really hate Jordan Howard, but. Um, uh, I guess we'll talk about him in a minute. We got actually we got a couple <laughs> of bears to talk about. Uh. I'll tell you what. I'll just swing over to my sit of the week, and we'll, we'll get talking about this Bears team. I'm going to sit down Anthony Miller 
And this is kind of going to – some people are going to be chasing the points from last week. He had 122 yards and a touchdown last week. He only had six targets and five receptions, so that's mediocre. He definitely had some big gaining plays, uh, including that touchdown. So it it's going to be – people are expecting him to kind of break out and be the second-tiered option behind Allen Robinson, who had his own big game last week, and above Taylor Gabriel, who's always been more of a gadget player uh, – you know, playing off screens and big gains after that, but I'm going to sit him down because I just don't think that this is a good matchup for him this week against Minnesota. They have really found their stride defensively over the last couple of weeks. That they might not show up as like the top tiered fantasy points allowed for wide receivers defense. So in the last three weeks, the Minnesota defense has allowed under 200 yards passing each of those three games. It's been very tight. They've they've really tightened up everything in the secondary. Uh, we're you know we're getting healthier. We might have Anthony Barr back in this game. I just don't want to start any passing offense. Excuse me, passing option against this Minnesota defense. In like I was saying earlier, this super tight divisional game where everything's on the line. So I don't want to start him. I do want to roster him. I think he's going to be useful going forward, and he should see consistent usage because he's a great slot receiver. Uh, he's a rookie still, so he's still you know catching on to the speed of the NFL, but. This week in particular, do not start him. Do not chase those points. This is also slightly upsetting to me because I'm starting Mitch Trubisky in that same primary league, and I feel like I need Anthony Miller to do some some goodness for me. But I can't really disagree too much that those corners, that defense, they're very solid. Um, and Anthony Miller has looked really good, like just on tape, especially for a rookie. So I think he's going to progress and, and, like you said, kind of be a great option towards the end of the year and in the future. But this week is a tough one. Yeah, I, th- I think to, to speak to Trubisky a little bit here, I think that he'll be okay in this matchup. You know, not what we saw last week, 40-plus fantasy points. But, you know, his rushing is so consistent thus far this year. So I think he will get it done for you. But, yes, his pass catchers are going to struggle on this one. I think that all, all of them have an okay day where it combines to a good enough day for Trubisky, but each one of these guys in and of themselves will be poor fantasy plays. So yeah, I like it, Ken. I'm going to sit Miller this week if I can. All right, well, let's let's talk about another bear here real quick and one that I accidentally just said his name before his turn. So <laughs> Okada, who's your sit of the week? Yeah, apparently Betts and I are burying you and your running back choices because my sit of the week is Jordan Howard. Uh, first of all, he's just bad, so there's that. <laughs> In fact, that's all my analysis. No, and it's not. On. But yeah, <laughs> he's he's averaging about 50 yards per game on the ground, which is not really enough, especially when he's not involved in the passing game. He's caught two balls total since week four. Last last week he had 32 scrimmage yards and failed to score against the Lions in a game that they blew out. I don't quite understand this because obviously when you're looking at the matchups you think oh well if someone's going to blow someone out then their plotter uh sort of possession running back is going to get more work that's not happening for jordan howard for some reason uh his only contribution really is in short area touchdowns and he even lost one of those to Tariq cohen last week which is why he didn't get a score and pooped all over your fantasy team last week and then of course the bears are facing the vikings this weekend who are allowing 3.7 yards per carry to running backs and only two rushing touchdowns the entire season to running backs. So even while uh, Kent mentioned their passing game has looked better in recent weeks than maybe the numbers show for the whole year, the numbers show that against running backs, they've been very good for the whole year. So that one's even more obvious. He simply, honestly, is not reliable enough to get a start in this week against this matchup. And pretty much any week, unless the matchup is peachy, or you're just hoping that he gets that touchdown. So sit him down if you can. Sorry, Kent. Yeah, no, that's fine. I get it. Um, This game is going to be – well, I, I know I'm going to be watching it because it's a huge game for the Vikings, but it's. Uh, I think it's going to be a defensive battle. I think it's going to be super low scoring. In fact, uh, the over-under for this game is currently projected for – uh, 45 so that's that's pretty low I mean they they sometimes dip down to the lower 40s but I'd take the under on that if if I was a betting man so by the way fun fact following this game the Bears play on Sunday night and then they play on Thursday morning 
on the Thanksgiving game. Ooh, that has never rough. happened. Ooh. It is it's the yeah. first time that anyone's ever been forced to do that. Crazy. Yeah, and that game got flexed. The uh, the Vikings yep. Bears game got flexed out. So yep. they made it worse for him on purpose. Yep. All right, well, uh, that's it for our Sits of the Week. Let's go ahead and uh, we'll talk about a couple of mailbag questions. We've got a little bit extra time to cover your questions for this week. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? All right, so up first in the mailbag, we have a question coming in from Twitter. This is at uh, HKFF26, and he or she asks, being an Aaron Jones owner, would you do a trade of Aaron Jones and Keenan Allen in exchange for Todd Gurley, this is a 12-team full PPR league, and both teams are contenders. But Gurley owner lost Cup to the ACL. Uh, excuse me, the ACL tear. I what do you guys I, I will jump in here. I I'm pretty sure I brought it up on the pod, or maybe I just told you guys off air. But a few weeks back, I turned down an offer of Antonio Brown and Kareem Hunt for Todd Gurley combined. Yeah. So this is an easy call for me, and it's no. I, I'm keeping Todd Gurley. And here's the way I look at it, and this is the way I look at a lot of trades, so you can kind of apply it across the board. Take the guy that you would expect to, the two guys you would expect to start, figure out the points that you expect from those guys, and just see if it's a win for you. So Todd Gurley is probably going to average, what, eight, nine, maybe even ten points more than Aaron Jones on a weekly basis, that means Keenan Allen has to outscore whatever receiver you would replace with him by that number of points or more to make this trade worth it for you. So I am not, I'm honestly not trading Todd Gurley for just about anyone except for like a Melvin Gordon, Alvin Kamara, and a high-end, probably even a low-end wide receiver one. It's got to be crazy good. So that's yeah, I was gonna say because he's trying to trade for Todd Gurley here. So let's let's swap out. Uh, he 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 seems to be intent on trading Aaron Jones. Maybe trying to do a sell high here, which I'm not sure I agree with. But let's just go with that. So who would it need to be instead of Keenan Allen uh, to make it fair? Is there anyone that you could pair with Aaron Jones to get Gurley? Oh, maybe. I mean, if he can do it with this. I would oh, yeah. certainly do it with Do it this. with this. This is a great trade. Definitely. Yeah. Get Todd Gurley. From the Todd Gurley owner standpoint, I'm saying I wouldn't do it. Right. To get it, to make it fair, if it's Aaron Jones, I think it's got to be like a top three receiver. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, An like AB, a Julio, Hopkins. Some, yeah. a Hopkins, exactly. Yeah. Thielen. Yeah. No, I, I think if you if this trade is lined up, but smash the accept button. Smash get it. Todd Gurley. Yeah, smash it. Break your keyboard. Um, I, yeah, no, I, I like the, the girly side of that. So you can buy a new keyboard uh, let, with the winnings from your fantasy championship. So yeah, all good. totally yeah. worth it. I could tell you from the perspective of the listener league that trading for Todd Gurley is good. Oh, oh. stop it. Get out of here. You finally lost though this week. I right? did. I finally lost. Right, I did good. finally lose to Dominic. So thank you. Congratulations, Dom. Dominic. If you're listening. Yeah, one. I'm just <laughs> good job, Dominic. Good game. Yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> Everyone you, else is celebrating. I'm the only mad yes. person. Uh, let, let's let's move on and take a question here from at. Let's see. Is this is this a real word? No, I think it's not. So it's T H R E alone one. And oh, that's interesting. Ken. I was going to say T H real one one. T H oh like the <laughs> real one did did, yeah, did we write one. it down wrong no is no no it, I, confirmed. I confirmed again we got it right I confirmed. okay well let's just real say it's one. the real one <laughs> the real one one <laughs> anyway the question is would you trade Michael Thomas for Tyler Boyd Nick Chubb and Jordan Howard he needs help at running back with James White on by oh boy I say uh, no I say I don't it- don't. Go ahead. I think it depends on what running backs he's got when James White is back. Um, like if Jordan Howard's going to be starting, which I hope is not the case, even when James White is back, then it then I probably would do it. I think because Nick Chubb is going to be an RB low end RB one for the rest of the season, and outside this matchup with the Ravens, I think Tyler Boyd will be really good. Obviously, not as good as Michael Thomas. But so yeah, I think it depends on whether you expect Jordan Howard to be a starter. If you're just getting Boyd and Chubb, and typically Howard will be on your bench, then I would not do it. Yeah, I'm with Ken on this one. I'm keeping Michael Thomas. He is, I mean, what he's done in his time in the league and this year included is historic. 
Uh, and I think that you can make up for a lower end running back with the production that you get from Michael Thomas. There's going to be another injury to a running back at some point this season. So keep working the waiver wire. I would hold on to Thomas and uh, and grab someone else to fill in. Really quick, let me yeah. throw in a little wrinkle for you guys. If he needs to win this week to have a chance at was, playoffs. That's what I was going to, yeah. yeah. Does that change things at all? That, that was I was going to kind of bring that up because if I was going to say if you're like set or at least have a good chance of making the playoffs, definitely keep Michael Thomas because first of all, he's going to be a great play this week in particular, so it'll probably win mm-hmm. you your week. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you are like sincerely desperate, like you don't have a running back in your running back two spot and you need a win or two wins to get in the playoffs, then you can maybe start looking at it. But but even still, I think I would try and go make a different trade than this one and try and go for like a running back two and a wide receiver one type of trade instead. Because if you're doing these three for one trades, you gotta you gotta drop two guys. Do you have two guys on your bench you can drop? I I try to not play that way where I have expendable people if I can. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and that's the thing is some people have to play for right now. But even in that scenario. Like I said earlier, the Saints offense is going to absolutely destroy the Eagles secondary. I legitimately think Michael Thomas could have another 30-point week this week. And Tyler Boyd is going to struggle. Jordan Howard, like you just said, Okada, is going to struggle. So even if this is a this week question, yeah, give me Michael Thomas over those three guys combined. All right, well, let's go on to the next question here. This is from at General Vizzy. And this question is, would you move Flash Gordon and David Njoku? For Doug Baldwin and Eric Ebron, he needs a tight end upgrade bad. I say no. Big no from me. 100% no. This, uh, To be honest with you, this is not really that much of an upgrade at tight end, despite the fact that Eric Ebron did what he did last week. I mean, it is the outlier of all outliers based off of the volume that he got and the production that he got. I mean, he scored a freaking rushing touchdown, which when is Eric Ebron ever going to do that again? Um, and, and Doug Baldwin just struggling so much. So, yeah, I'm I'm holding tight with what I've got on this one and not trading for those guys. Yeah, Ebron is nearly on pace. He's just off pace, but nearly on pace to break uh, Rob Gronkowski's scrimmage touchdown for tight ends record, which is 18 in a single season. And he is not the... Pl- He's a good player, but he's not the player Gronk is. He has a worse quarterback, although I really like Andrew Luck, obviously. Um, and he's not getting anywhere near the the kind of target share that you saw from Gronk back in his heyday, which tells you that this is this is going to regress at some point. He will catch several more touchdowns probably for the rest of the season, but I don't think it's going to be enough to make up for what you're losing going from Joshy, Joshy Flash. To Doug Baldwin, who's completely yeah. unreliable. So this last week with Eric Ebron's big game, he was the third tight end in terms of snap count percentage on the on the Colts. He is Insane. behind Mo Cox and way behind Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle was at 88% of snaps. Now, granted, they run a lot of two tight end sets over there in Indianapolis, but still Eric Ebron only at 38% snaps this last week. It's not a good trend since Jack Doyle has come back. You cannot rely on these touchdowns. I think he has a good opportunity to maybe be used in the red zone, but it's not that great. So, yeah, I don't think it's a huge upgrade. I think Njoku's got better days ahead than Ebron does, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, and another another good move to make when you're looking at trades is kind of try to uh, assess who, whether you're buying high or selling high. And in this case, I think you're selling Josh Gordon and Njoku a little bit low, and you're certainly buying Eric Ebron very, very high, even though you are buying Doug Baldwin low. So when, when you yeah. look at all those things together, yeah, I think I'd keep my guys. All right, and then the last question of the episode. This is coming in from at K. Galus Haxi. <laughs> I decided to try and say that. I don't know True. if that's what that is, but... It's uh all right. The question is: Would you risk playing Sammy Watkins on Monday night? Uh, he's had that foot injury going on, and it sounds like he might play. But just just a quick background. Or would you play Martez Valdez Scantlin on Thursday just to be safe? And his wide receiver, uh, his first wide receiver is Odell Beckham, and this is for his wide receiver two position. Honestly, I would probably play Marquez regardless. It's pretty close because Sammy Watkins' matchup is a lot better. But 
even if it wasn't this tough situation where you might just lose Watkins entirely, I would probably lean towards Scantling. So with this uh, added to the mix, it's an easy call for me, MVS. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. MVS for me. Yeah, this, what are your thoughts, Bets? I was going to say, this is really tough. I, I truly do think that these guys are pretty comparable this week in terms of um, what their fantasy output is going to be. If you're going to do a tie-breaking situation here, hedge on the safe side. You don't want to be left Monday night with um, a you know last-minute ruled-out Sammy Watkins, and then you're stuck and you lose your week because of it. So given that they're so close this week, I'm going with that boy from the south, Marquez Scantlin. <laughs> Throw him in your lineup and get some points. Yeah. Uh, we yeah, should find out if more. he's actually from the south. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I have a feeling he's not, but uh, there's, there's, I, there's no I way think he he's a good play this week with Cobb being out and, uh, you know, Geronimo Allison obviously on IR. So he's a great number two for Rodgers to have. He's shown out pretty well recently. So I, I think he's just a good play, period. I don't think even related to Sammy Watkins, it, it mattered much for me. So. That wraps up the mailbag section, and that wraps up the show. We're heading into week 11. It's make or break time. Hoping you guys uh, and gals out there can bring home the bacon. I mean, this is the time to win if you're going to do it, so go ahead and get out there and earn those wins. So once again, thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter at RedshirtsFFPod. Uh, We'll see you next week on Monday and then Wednesday. So thanks for listening. Once again, we are the Redshirts. Redshirts.